Hey, hey everybody. everybody, it's Flail Forward. That was Cavoir talking yes. about bot dying, probably. No, I well, kind of. I I was talking about. Oh God, it's been a while since we heard that because we're usually in the stage. Right, we are usually in the stage. No. Now we're not. We're in the hanging out room where anybody can jump in at any time. So. Oh my God! It's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I <was> anyway, like... <laughs> are you asking me to do a Hulk Hogan impersonation? Because I'll try. It'll be horrible. <laughs> anyway, today we're talking about pacing, so I'm gonna. So and, and moving right along. Yeah, moving right along. What uh, we're specifically going to talk about what you can do to to generate your game spacing and how to do, figure that out. Uh, prob- because. There are a lot of things with pacing that are just going to be defined by the group itself. Like, I, I run a weekly one-shot group. They can make fake characters in under 30 minutes. That They are not... The, that is not normal. For <laughs> 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 fake characters? Well, oh, yeah, yeah, some people can, but, like, specifically, fully flesh out. I, anyway, I, I was impressed. <laughs> they, they do. They do some real. The, the, generally speaking, uh, I do think that they are better at. Okay, here's a random system. Go. Let's let's get this done in a night. Than the than most people. Mm-hmm. And uh, given my nature and the nature of one of the other players, uh, tend to tend towards moving things on at a very quick clip and getting running through things in a very certain way that I uh, found doesn't is noticeable compared to other groups, although I can't clearly define what it is. We talk to each other. <laughs> but I know it's our fault. What you're saying? Yeah. Hmm? Okay. What was that? I said there's good communication. Uh, it's not just good communication. It's uh, there's a... <gasps> Very, there's a lot of more direct communication and point A to point B that I am used to in when I am interacting with other people, and I do not know how to describe it better than that. Hmm. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's better, I would say it's way more efficient, so less <laughs> passive aggressive. Uh, no, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, more I, no. possibly. Uh, I, I think I figured it out. It's basically uh, we both we both will default to doing minimal description and then asking for if anybody needs clarification and everybody assuming if something wasn't specified, it's probably the way that is convenient for them and that accelerates the pace of things by a fair bit. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, so, so they so they, have, like, they have sort of a designer sensibility when it comes to unpacking the rules. Yeah, and also okay. like. In scenarios, so like I'll give a two sentence description, and they will respond to that two sentence description instead of, <laughs> or ask for the clarification where needed instead of, right? You know. Yeah, hmm. got you. Okay, so that's interesting. So the reason I brought up pacing in the topic discussion was because I played the Alien RPG from uh, the new one from Modifius uh, last night. And uh, it has a, an interesting core mechanic. 
the core mechanic is there is a d6 pool it's attribute plus skill and it's fairly low so like my highest attribute plus skill was seven uh and uh you are looking for just sixes a single six is a success on the roll and more sixes generally gets you buys you some narrative mojo or lets you do extra damage or ignore damage you know basically buy buy cool shit um it's uh main fuel is this thing called stress when you use certain actions will give you stress so like opening up with full auto is something that stresses you out so that gives you a stress um having uh someone fail a crucial check nearby will give the entire group stress um doing things like uh seeing a dead body where you don't expect it will give you stress all that stuff so what stress does is it adds a d6 to all of your rolls but if you roll a one on any of the stress dice you gain another stress and so what this does is it nicely ramps up over the course of the session to where at the end of two hours this is a very short session but there was only a two players so it was there's a good amount of back and forth and there's a good amount of uh what you would expect to have as spotlight time in a four-hour session i feel felt like we had um so by the end of the two hours we had we were both rolling like 5d6 stress dice on everything we were doing and these were like narratively significant things it wasn't like roll to hit roll for damage roll to dodge roll to soak armor it's like okay this is a significant thing you're trying to do roll it like uh you know this person just got a pipe shoved through them how how are they doing <laughs> and, and can you can you fix it and that that's one role it's like you know the diagnosis and like the medical thing and, and what's wrong and can you fix it and all that stuff is all one thing so um but the, the 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 pacing of it was really nice because you felt that additional pressure of uh oh man i am much more likely to succeed and also much more likely to be stressed out every given role it was fascinating <laughs> so uh i'm gonna pull a strange analogy here but it kind of sounds like it's doing something similar to dread you're kind of simulating that ramping tension with and be sudden catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, it makes me want like the first thing I thought to do with it was like, oh, man, let's that. I wonder what would happen if I did just yank that and stuck it right in blades in the dark without doing anything else. Just adding a D6 to every roll for each stress you have. But the any a one on any of the stress dice gives you another one. <clears throat> I'm just wondering what that would play like. What's the end game? Sorry, I, I, I missed that. Like, how does the stress eventually get to you? Oh, so what happens is um, when you when you roll a one on the stress dice, uh, in addition to getting a stress, uh, thank you for saying, for asking that, because it's actually quite crucial. What happens is you make a panic roll, and you roll a d6 and add your the amount of current stress you have and if you get there's certain thresholds so if you get yeah. a five or lower you're generally fine uh six or seven you're like shaky and the 
you know, you will narrate like, you know, you drop the magazine you're about to load into your gun or something like that. Or, you know, if you hit like a nine or 10 or something like that, it's really severe stuff starts happening where, uh, you know, you lose a little bit of narrative control. Like, so, so, and you have to narrate doing something slightly crazy or, you know, so for what, at one point I, uh, that was exactly what happened is my, my character who was the security officer, uh, shot something uh a couple of times uh, once in the chest uh, like a human and it just didn't notice and so because i had rolled a stress on on uh on on my die and i had gotten a nine on the panic check the gm said like okay so what happens is, is you're going to reload your gun and you just your hands are shaking so badly you drop your magazine so yeah there's lots of like um so I just want to say like that it sounds really cool. It sounds like you guys had fun. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like it it does its purpose well cuz like I I don't know. I'm I wouldn't call myself like a super fan of aliens, but I I I like it and mm-hmm. and uh just listening to you like it sounds like there was like some pretty good emulation of like the feel. Yeah. Um, uh, which is cool. So um I think it seemed to have done that by ensuring the pacing matched what we think of in the existing media. Um, so that's, yeah, sounds like good job. Well, job well done. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it was successful. That's why, I, that's why it stood out because yeah. And I, I was, think... I was skeptical. I'm skeptical of any licensed game, right? Like, right, right. Yeah, for sure. It, it's interesting. Uh, it strikes me that, I don't know like the exact math, but it strikes me like something like Blades in the Dark that already has like certain stress mechanics, but like it I, I'm not saying it would fit right in, but it seems like you could fit something in. Like I, I think there is like room to like look at that for like a heist type of game or or anything that um looks at adventures in these in these types of situations that are, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how to say it, like, uh, not cinematic, uh, serial, like, it's like, kind of like the same thing every time, <laughs> if that makes right, sense. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting because it has, so there were some mechanics that we didn't get to explore. So one was uh, the recovery mechanics, which is, was from what I could tell, they were like similar to to the way Blaze in the Dark does it, where it was there's a something something narratively you go and do in order to recover stress, and then um, the one that we didn't really get to play with that was sounded interesting to me was uh, characters having different agendas, and agendas. <clears throat> so fulfilling an agenda uh, or playing towards it in a scene. I'm not sure exactly the rules. I I didn't get to read the core rule book, uh, but I inferred that using uh you know fulfilling your agenda gives you a story point and what a story point does is it allows you to buy a success on a roll so Mm. it's a powerful quite quite a powerful tool because you need you need sixes uh and so uh it would strike me as a really interesting way to promote character interplay because there already was some I was playing my 
my security officer, like, I don't really want to be here. <laughs> like, I, I know I'm in front and shit is getting progressively worse. And I'm protecting a corporate suit. And uh, I'm just trying to talk this person in, into into leaving this whole scenario the entire time. <laughs> and that was fun to do. That was like a fun, it was fun to role play that, that, that character. It was good to have like... Um, one of the things that it does, the game does on purpose, is put your character in uh, a corporate hierarchy so that you answer to people in your own group. Your character answers to people. Like, there's, there's like, somebody's going to be in charge and actually make the call uh, as captain or as science officer or as um, corporate representative or, you know, something like that. So there's a couple of really interesting... Uh, ways that I, I want to check out the main game now because there's a couple of ways that it feels like it might uh, add some really fun tension to a group like that. And for a one shot, like a longer one shot, it felt it would, I feel like I want to mess around with that some more. So, yeah. Good pacing, though. That was the whole point. And it re made me realize like how much of a pacing mechanic D&D's hit points are and how often they don't really work all that well. Hmm. Yeah. Um like fight dragging out, for example. <laughs> like you can it's clearly it's cl the fight's clearly over, but we're going to we're going to chew through the goblin's hit points just, you know, cuz just because, yeah. Yeah. You left I, it at I, one hit point, make another d20 roll. <sighs> I thought about Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I thought about mentioning it as like Oh yeah, and where what are pacing failures? Uh, but I don't think it needs much discussion. Um, maybe we're we're leaving some people high and dry, but I do think like D and D is just yeah. generally a pace big pacing failure. Um, but it, but I think it's interesting like to look at games um, like maybe Apocalypse World and see how it uh, like I guess I'm asking the question like does it have pacing drivers? Um, hmm. and I'm not sure that it does, but does that matter or how does it handle pacing or is it more like pacing in the more traditional sense? Like I think of pacing sometimes, um, at least when I initially thought of this topic, I was like, oh yeah, like session to session. And so it's like, sometimes when we think of role-playing games in the traditional way, we think about how to, how does it pace altogether like how do we go from one session to the next how does the campaign pace um and so like all these things are important and uh one of the things that i think about is how do i keep people engaged in a game that i want them to play more than one time right mm -hmm. i don't know any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so the traditional things are like ended on a cliffhanger, right? Just do the do like force it essentially. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't let don't let anybody find out what happens until next time. Uh, which, hey, if you're good at it, that can be very effective, but also can be quite annoying. Um, I personally find it quite annoying. So if that happens in a group, like there's only so many times I'm gonna stick around because I prefer resolution. Uh, in the same session, but that's 
again, a preference. I don't think anybody has to do it that way for the game to be successful. Um, but uh, it feels like games should have like sort of a story arc where there's a, a scenario laid out, rising action, a climax, falling action, and then like a resolution or a setup for the next thing. Like that feels like the good games I've played in are kind of like that when you want to play another session where it's like, oh, cool, we're at this nice stopping point and we also see what's on the horizon. And, you know, it's not a cliffhanger like in the middle of the scene type cliffhanger, but like we've done our thing and now we're getting set up for the next thing. And that can be that can be a good way to do it. Yeah, so narrative interest, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, just narrative interest. And also just and that's a good chance to find out what the players are interested in as well. Like, you know, when they're doing their their, you know, whatever the downtime looks like in that in that game or uh interlude or town scene or you're in the bar or whatever. Right. So whatever that looks like, give like let the players sort of like figure out what their interests are. Like, you know, let them like sort of explore and then put the stuff there they were looking for or, you know, hand them, toss them hooks, toss them things to do like that yeah. they want to do that they, they're actively like asking for. So I think that um, kind of like where I was going is so like you just described a bunch of stuff that is like, not dependent on any game that you play it's just dependent on the players to make it work that way right and particularly mm -hmm. the the gm mm -hmm. um yeah there's no there's no like there are games that mechanize those things yeah uh and this games that do that successfully are few and far between in my experience yeah and like i, I haven't read it and i just know this as a roughly um, as a thing is that in like Torchbear, for example, it'll be one thing that I like is like they they do like a season. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that's like one of the things that's. Uh, I'm gonna try to do this without uh, saying the name. There's games that that level a lot, and they go from the power range is like extreme, like you go from like zero to hero, mm -hmm. um, in the most extreme way. And uh, when you look at the progression in, like, I'm not even going to, I was going to say real life, but, like, it, it doesn't make sense for those things to happen within the same time frame as, a camp, as the campaign pretends to be. Right. You know, it, it, it's more like, like, that seems like it's a lifetime of work, but you did that in a year and a half or whatever, right? Like, there's, like, a disconnect there. Right. And so there's there's certain games that pace that just like stick breaks in that are like months or years. And so I think like Torchbearer will just be like, well, it's winter, you know, we don't adventure during the winter because, you know, it's even too dangerous. Or I don't know if that's exactly how it words it, but I know like there's like right. seasons. It's just pointless, right? Because you're you could go and try, but like you're fighting the cold also. So yeah. why yeah. bother? Yeah. Yeah. No. And so I think like it's a narrative break mm -hmm. and it just helps with like the continuity of like the power of the, 
the power gain of the characters matches sort of like a uh yeah verisimilitude or i'm not sure what the right term is but it just feels better and, yeah well it, it also does something really nice for the character's personal narrative it allows their story to spread they that's one of the ways they gain reputation is over the winter I, I, if i remember oh, okay it. okay yeah yeah <clears throat> so there's like this fireside chat like fireside like hunkering down warm coziness feel to it which is I, I mean, that, I, I think that grabbed that from Mouse Guard directly, because I believe Torchbearer is a Mouse Guard derivative, which is a Burning Wheel derivative. I think it's the other way around. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I think no, it's the other that, way around. that is though. the correct order. Burn, uh, burning Wheel, Mouse Guard, Torchbearer. Oh, I thought it was Torchbearer, Mouse Guard. Okay. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh, there was a second edition of Mouse Guard. Ah. Uh, that is oh, yeah. more recent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently they, they chopped it down some more, which is pretty good because Mouse Guard was a little like I wanted to run it for my for my godkids and they were like and I was starting I was reading Mouse Guard rules like oh no yeah this is not, <laughs> I can't do this with an eleven year old this is not gonna work <laughs> I'm gonna have to do I would have to redesign this game yeah, I just got the new Torchbearer and I got to read that I haven't read it yet mm. yeah Torchbearer is cool I have the first edition which I I really like the aesthetic of and the play of I'm not a huge fan of but the aesthetic is great and uh but I really didn't like how they did combat I didn't like the the three picking three things at a time it just felt so weird when we had four players, it just felt so weird. <laughs> like somebody was like, "Well, I guess I don't get to pick a thing. What's going on here?" Like, yeah, right, so. right. But anyway, that's something that I um, have been considering uh, for yet to be designed games. Is like I really think like giving characters um, progression uh every session yeah is very helpful to player engagement mm -hmm. and i think if we i think that at least from my perspective like um like some games like pretend at like playing the same campaign like almost indefinitely and i think if we just sort of shrink that mm -hmm a certain degree but not completely and say like yeah like you know 20 sessions is the, is the end or 15 sessions is the end um but having like a regular progression happen it gives something new for the players to latch on to each each time they they engage with the game i think is interesting to me i don't know if that's the way to do it um but it can be helpful for someone who's less engaged with the story itself or like the exact narrative and maybe they just feel uh, uh i don't know um i i completely support what you're saying <laughs> maybe they're just I struggling was, engaging I was the first game where, where it jumped a level per session and it was a revelation. And it was like, oh, we should have been doing this the whole time. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, 
but the way but the way it works is it doesn't overload you with stuff right like it doesn't have the learning curve of some other games that we won't mention and so there's and it has like a 10 session like it's a 10 level game so you have a 10 session like structure and yeah you do go from zero to hero but you're not like world shattering even at the end you're like what would pass for like a 10th level D character maybe like so you're like you know you can do a cool thing you can get real big and you know have wings and shit but you're not gonna cast wish you're not gonna you're not gonna like rewrite reality or do anything like that it's not that's not the thing it's not the sorry miss, which game is this the shadow of the demon lord oh okay <laughs> yeah uh, 13th age is basically is, is similar where it's where it, it encourages the advancement one level per session uh, um, that, I, I was doing one level for an encounter set, and I couldn't imagine that you'd want to go faster than that because your abilities reset every time you level up because it has a 10 level progression. And yeah, I I don't like I said, I have not, I haven't gone through the progression. I, I just remember reading it, encouraged that, but I, yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> But yeah, games like Blaze in the Dark, where there's like definite progression every session, feels like I mean, it, it, character players come back to the table for that. It's noticeable, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, cool! Like we clicked up. Like, oh, that was neat. Like we, I did the thing. I got the thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that you know, even in D and D, when I was playing, I, I was trying. Shoot, I mentioned it. Uh, I was trying to find like ways to incrementalize the the gains so like okay so maybe uh you get your fortitude save this session and you get your attack bonus this session and you get the hp roll 